Ho, 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 hey, 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 welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm really excited about this episode today. My good friend, Ross, and I chatted, Ross Reege, that is. We talked about all things cinema, all things film school, uh, only... If you're not a film buff, I would turn this off because it's total film buff talk. That's a joke. Um, Ross has worked on several films, beautiful ones, Kong, Kong Skull Island, Kings of Summer, you name it. He's been there. We spent a good amount of time talking about puppets, which I didn't expect, but I had a beautiful time doing, and I hope you enjoy listening to it. My life's been rad. I have yet to be vaccinated. I watched the entire Twilight series in a couple weeks. I got a car accident a couple weeks ago uh, on the highway, and I slammed into a guardrail. And I remember what it was like to feel immediately electrically alive in the present. And it was a wonderful experience. I've been outside at the park, laying on blankets, reading books. I've been reading 1919 by Eve E. Ewing. I've been reading Supernatural by Graham Hancock. I just started... Um, uh, what else did I just start? I started and finished Bicycle Day by Brian Blumerth, who I'll actually be talking with shortly. It's been a wonderful time. It's been a creative time. I've been making music, painting, and breathing in fresh air, sending healing, sending love, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with my friend Ross. Take care. Yeah. Um, now, if that's all right. Yeah, of course. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for thanks for being here today, man. How has your day yeah. been so far? What have you been up to? Um, it's been good. Uh, I I just got to Virginia this week, so uh, I am um, uh, I'm starting up a, a project, and um, uh, today we were outside a lot, so I actually just got in from the cold, and I'm still trying to warm back up. Good thing. So, good though yeah and you're uh you're from wisconsin right originally yeah no stranger to the cold then no stranger to the cold although uh, it's true that your blood changes after you leave for a few years so uh, uh that's part part of it is there's some shame involved when i can't handle it the way i used to be able to <laughs> <laughs> i hear that I, i'm in michigan right now and am and originate from michigan so okay nice the bitterness is familiar yeah yeah it's uh it's that's one of the nice things about being here for work for the next uh number of months is is uh the weather here reminds me a little bit more of uh the weather i grew up with which is which is refreshing even though i'm complaining about the cold right now wonderful so how so, yeah what's been going on did you did you just when did you start working on this project uh i literally got out here on monday oh. um so we're just uh we're just starting up um and uh, I, uh, I was working on a show um, in LA last year uh, that, uh, you know, as everybody's dealing with all the COVID stuff, we, uh, um, we started up in the spring, uh, we shut down a couple weeks into prep, and then we uh, got back up and running in August and, and wrapped right before Christmas. So mm-hmm. finished that up. And then I immediately started packing to come out to Virginia. So Have you spent much time in Virginia before now? Um, well, I did the first season of the show that I'm doing right now. So, uh, in 2019, I was here from, uh, mid June until, uh, almost, uh, yeah, like mid December. Mm. So I did the opposite, uh, point of the year. I did the, uh, second half of the year 
then and now I'm doing the first half. So I guess I guess between the two, I'll have a full year of Virginia experience behind me when I'm done with this. Cool. I just went to West Virginia back in, um, I think it was early November. I went by myself. Yeah. Yeah. How was that? Just a, just a trip? Yeah, just a trip. Um, I wanted to go solo, got tested and everything. I went to this uh, small hip camp tiny house in the mountains. It was it was it was totally wild. I've I've never been that alone before. Like I've never yeah. I've never taken a solo traveling trip before. And there was no service, no lights, no really humans of any kind. It was pretty strange. And it was what was interesting, it was um it was the weekend of the election. I went on the Thursday of the US election and so the right time to do it. People were <laughs> I was like going through Pennsylvania on my way, like, hey guys, how's how's yeah. the but it, it was strange because I didn't have any contact at all. I didn't hear of the results until much later, which was nice. Yeah, yeah. Kind of off the grid for a minute. That's nice. Yeah. So about your background. Tell me about your background. Uh, well, I grew up in Wisconsin, as you as you already uh, uh, caught me on. Uh, grew up in uh, suburbs of Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my... Uh, uh, pretty, pretty, I guess, traditional family, you know, mm-hmm. my, um, my parents met in music school, they're both musicians. Uh, but then of course, growing up, they were like had moved on to their practical lives. So my mom was raising my sister and I and my dad was working in business and, and they uh, continued pursuing their music passions on the side. But yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess that's an important element of uh, my background coming from a place that is like, there was no um, real uh, aspect of film life, film production, and what is it? How does it work? Um, you know, there's no nepotism getting into film when you're from Wisconsin, really. Uh, so, uh, but I think like when my sister and I talk about it, I think we recognize that we were, um, you know, surrounded by the arts growing up, even despite that. So, um, are you musical in any way? Do you play any instruments or have no. an <laughs> a little bit of guitar? Uh, but you know, not not anything to. Uh, yeah to tell uh go home about but um uh yeah no so uh, more visual um and my sister is kind of the same although i think she got a little bit more of the music uh, gene than i did how did it get there how did it go from being surrounded by music to knowing that film was what the move was um you know early on i guess like in elementary school and stuff it was all like painting and you know like making things out of paper mache and just loving my art classes more than anything uh and and then i think it was probably uh end of middle school that i got into photography um and started messing around with that and i don't like most people would say i don't think i was a good good photographer i didn't have any crazy epiphanies there but it was definitely a new a new thing like my high school didn't have uh they had gotten rid of their photography program a couple years before i was there Mm. Uh, which even then, I mean, I know that's, that's happening a little bit now, but I feel like it's made a little bit of a resurgence, but, um, kind of a bummer. Cause we, uh, um, we weren't exposed to any of that kind of stuff. We're, you know, learning how to develop photos and all that kind of stuff when we were <clears throat> that age. But, um, but I was definitely interested on the side. And then, uh, one of my close friends and I in, in high school, we, we had a class that, uh, we could, um, it was kind of an alternative thing in terms of your like reports. You could, you could, mm-hmm. uh, uh, instead of writing a report, you could do a, you could write a song or you could draw, you could paint a movie poster or 
anything that related to what you were studying, as long as you had, you know, it was a response to what we were working on, which was, which I thought was pretty progressive and cool. And so he and I were just like, oh, well, what any high school would do is like, what is the easiest thing to do to get out of this? And we made, we made videos and all of our videos were puppets. Um, so they're all like, uh, we were building puppets. We started kind of diving into studying Henson and, um, and learning about all that, so the Muppets and all that stuff and really got into puppetry. And so that, yeah. um, that was kind of a like oh we we were building these puppets which i guess is part of this like art um you know hands-on art that i was used to uh and and then we had to put put it on tape so we were then using our home video camera um recording it learning about the process and then when it when it came time to you know what was it like junior year you just start you, you know everybody starts asking you what you want to study and what do you want to do with your life and we're both like we want to be puppeteers <laughs> And, and, you know, everybody's like, yeah, okay, but what do you, what do you really want to do? And, uh, um, and weirdly their, uh, University of Connecticut, I think they still have it, but they had a, a bachelor's degree in puppetry bachelor's program. That's right. Uh, it was, it was the only one in the country. And so we are both like, well, let's go. So we, we actually did visit, uh, uh University of Connecticut, uh, as an option, but then we were kind of, uh, I think we eventually realized that there was a little more practicality in and studying something that was maybe a little more common and then we could always revisit it. So he ended up going to film school at USC and I went to film school at NYU. And, um, you know, I don't think either of us really knew what we wanted to do when we got to film school, but it helped us kind of learn. And that's where I got attract attracted to the cinematography part of things. What kind of films? Also a terrible writer. The, <laughs> terrible the, writer. Like, were they, were they narratives or were they biographical? What kind of puppets were you making? Were they like cartoonish or... Yeah, kind of. I mean, very definitely uh, uh, Henson inspired. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, ping pong ball eyes, soft sculpture made out of foam rubber covered with fabric or fur, uh, and and hand puppets where you put your hand in and you use your hand. And um, uh, so hand and rod puppets. Yeah. And we would do. I mean, a lot of the stuff we did outside of these reports like one of them we did was on black death so we made a black a puppet representing black death which was basically just a faceless shrouded figure Whoa. that's head could turn and stuff oh um but yeah it's kind of a weird mixture of of uh, topics Jim uh, but yeah yeah uh but but then we would just do just to mess around and kind of learn we would we would um basically basically make music videos to songs we liked so we would we would uh, uh lip sync with the puppets to the camera with the song playing in the room you know so our, our parents are you know sitting there and we've got we're at the at that time I mean I think you you look at yourself and you go well I guess I'm a little old to be playing around with puppets I'm a sophomore in high school but you know where everybody's like you know everybody's doing all sorts of stuff in high school and we're you know Friday nights where it's like you know 10 p.m and we're locked in the room like music's playing and our parents are like what are these guys doing <laughs> uh, but we just you know and I, the tapes exist somewhere we have tons of just like you know puppets dancing and singing along to dave matthews band and yeah i was gonna add to at the time. music was it was time. i mean a lot of it was like you know there was james taylor in there there was uh oh, yeah. uh i'm trying to think of who else we were listening to at the time um there was a lot of like yeah dave matthews for sure dave matthews band uh <laughs> um who else billy joel was another one I'd have to I'd have to come up with a with a list. I can't remember what we were on. Led Zeppelin was another one. Oh, so we you know, there was a little bit of variety in there. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So I guess that kind of 
in a backwards way led me to uh, doing what I do, which is um, <laughs> like anybody who does what I do generally, I think everybody's got such a weird, unique path in, in how they can yeah. find it. So. Have you revisited puppeteering in any sort of way or like dealing with special effects or anything of the sort since? Um, I've done a couple projects that involve sh like shooting with puppets and, uh -huh. um, and, and a few uh, where it's, we're hiring people that work with Henson and, um, and it's kind of nice because, uh, you know, if anybody works at with that, like the, you know, high level puppeteers and um, that process, there's, there's a learning curve with what they need, how they work. It's just like they're actors, but, um, but they're actors who wear actors and become actors. And, you know, uh, traditionally like in Henson, Henson stuff, you would, a lot of the sets would be built higher up so the puppeteers could be underneath and, so there's a lot of things like that, you know, they scoot around on scooters and have monitors. And so there's, you know, technical considerations that they have that when you work with them for the first time, you're like, oh, you need this, you need that. But that's stuff I all, I knew was coming, you know, so it made it easier for me to do yeah. that. But, um, and my, my friend, his name is Tobin. He, uh, he's a director and he, he does all sorts of public stuff. He actually um, runs an operation that builds them and um, he, wow. he's done a lot of commercial work and, um, and we've, we've shot some stuff together. We did some, when I first moved to LA, we, we, we shot a bunch of music videos together that, that were proper music videos that were puppets that he had commissioned or built himself. You know? This is so rad. Wow. So, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a real niche. Um, and it's definitely something that he's been able to kind of like keep in shape uh -huh. doing, you know, like he, he's still, uh, from a, from a, from a puppeteering standpoint, I'd say he's much more polished and pro now than, <laughs> than I am. But, uh, but yeah, it's it's cool in a way, I guess, to to look back full circle that that um, we're both still doing stuff related to that, especially him. But are puppeteers yeah. like sitting or on their knees? Like how? Do, how it depends. A lot of t a lot of times, um, it's almost like a uh, you know those uh, those carts that like mechanics will use to get underneath a car, real low to the ground, like with the backrest, like a little padded. Uh -huh. um, picture that, but with the ability to to give it a little incline on one side. So a lot of times it's something like that where where it can be really low to the ground, but then they can be kind of seated like lounging and then they've got the puppet above them and then they'll have a little monitor they can look down to the side oh. and that way the set kind of starts, you know, right at, right above their heads at your elbow. I watched, um, I watched Kidding recently, the Jim Carrey series on Showtime. Yeah. There's a lot of puppeteering in that and I they have that in the show where like they show some of the actors like on those similar sorts of mechanisms looking down at the show like as it's happening which exactly that's that seems really difficult to like be doing one thing in a completely different world with this hand while like trying to get the bigger scope of what's actually happening yeah. on screen and the other like that seems extremely difficult yeah yeah well and also when you think about it a lot of times what you're doing with the puppet is it's it's opposite to you when you're looking at the screen so if you're if you're making the puppet look right it's looking left on the screen Right. And so it's 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 like the you know patting patting your head and uh, uh, rubbing your belly kind of thing. You have to get your brain rewired a little bit, uh, uh, and then it's it's you know eye contact with the other puppet. So you know you're looking down here, and, and all this stuff is happening up above you. And then you're maybe look you're you're supposed to be looking over at this puppet over here. And this is one of those things that 
you know, from time to time, we'll still nerd out. You'll, you'll watch something that's been done with puppets and we'll look at it and be like, the eye contact is bad on that. Or like the lip sync is off. What, like, what did they think they're doing? Um, but it's all that's like, it's such small stuff that, I mean, generally with the Muppets, you'll see it's, it's just so well done because the tiniest details are accounted for. And that's what makes them feel, the difference between them feeling alive or feeling like a sock puppet, you know, that your grandpa does. <laughs> maybe, maybe so. I'm like projecting this because I, I like to picture it, but I feel like in a lot of puppeteering situations, the puppets like to look at the camera or to look at the audience, maybe it's because children are involved sometimes, but <laughs> I just picture puppets like just turning to the camera and just being like. Yeah, <laughs> like breaking the fourth wall and kind of confronting you. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah totally. Like, like when they're when their lips are like purse, they just have this. Sort of, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm thinking of. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, just, that's what I picture when I think of it. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. It's a it's everybody's got these their own kind of. You know, I remember when the Crank Inkers came out, uh, which was which was a really interesting like new use of puppets, no longer being perfectly wholesome. It's a trip. Um, but there's def definitely a part of it that I think at the time was that was right around the time that we were really getting into this stuff, and you're like. Part of what we liked about about the Muppets was that they were they were really adult, but they had these really interesting personalities and complex relationships. Really, when you peel it back, and uh -huh. and you know, at the time we we were hating on Crank Anchors a little bit because we were just kind of like, oh, that's just easy. It's just all fart jokes, and you know, <laughs> like yeah, um, it's easy to be to make puppets entertaining if they're just crass, you know. But of course, that model has proved to continue being successful. But uh, um, yeah. And it's also amazing what happens with puppets and, and and children just in real life. Like you can literally, and there's 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 clips of of Henson doing this too, and I'm sure countless others where you'll literally be standing right next to a four year old, and you put a puppet on, and it's all of a sudden it's like the the puppeteer disappears to the kid. It's like all the, like that puppet is totally alive to the kid. There's something really cool about that too. Yeah, it has something like they don't. I feel like a lot of children don't have that thing that cares about. Cause, cause I mean, I'm thinking of like Fred Rogers, like he had a documentary that came out um, and there were many, many segments of him talking to children where he would put on the cat or whatever. And the children didn't care about Mr. Rogers at all. They were talking to the character. And like, I think something that was so intriguing about Mr. Rogers too, was that he was also like, he was, he wanted that character to be what was talking to the kids, you know? And so I feel like that that's, they see that they're like, yeah, this cat's talking to me right now. It doesn't matter that it's, another man doing a voice like that doesn't change that he's yeah. things he's saying he means what he's saying whether it's through a character or not that's that's really that's really special yeah, yeah. I, I mean I think the the art of puppetry is one of those things that's you know it's kind of always lived it's always lived under the lines and you know different people have made um, uh, kind of indelible impressions with their with their work Henson obviously being kind of the one at the forefront of my mind but um, it's one of those things. It just seems like it's timeless. Doesn't matter how good special effects gets. Um, there's still, I mean, and there's a lot of stuff now that's done where it's a puppet that it's then augmented with special effects or um, digital modifications later. But uh, in the end, it's it's still there's there's something that uh, I haven't seen replicated really properly uh, in a purely digital sense compared to somebody who's who's really good with the puppet with the puppet in real life. You know. Um, and, uh, so as a, as a performance art, I think it's, I, I, I think it'll always be around, uh, which is cool. I think of like Pee Wee's Playhouse is an example that just blows me away with how, like, like that whole set was alive, you know, and it's, yeah, 
Yeah, that's a really super trippy, but uh, but yeah, like and that's less like puppets above a surface. It's more like the whole environment through various little tricks. Like the couch is talking, like whoa. Yeah, I remember there was Cherry, right? Cherry was one of the characters. I'm trying to remember the names. <laughs> yeah, Pee Wee um, is an absolute trip. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Especially for its time, you think of like there's a lot of wacky stuff being made now, but you you think of like the other type of programming that was available, and it was just like that. And even and I still Sesame Street, all that stuff. It's like, um, it, how how impressive it would be if it came out today, um, but back then it's just like there was you know, and Mr. Rogers is a similar thing too. I would say it's like you have these shows that are living amongst very kind of conservative. Um, formatted like tried and true um um productions that are happening that people are watching if there's 13 channels you know that those are your options now there's so much different uh so much variety of material and and for some reason like one of the i don't know if Pee Wee's a saturday morning thing but it was like somebody was like i'm gonna make this show trust me <laughs> like <laughs> i can't explain what it's gonna look like or how it's gonna be but and somebody was like yeah let's do that you know, i watched the documentary on it um I'm blanking on his name. The artist, his first name is Wayne. I want to say Wayne White, but I I could be mistaken there. But he did the majority of the puppets on the uh, on the Pee Wee show, and his documentary spent a good chunk just talking about like the cast and the same thing in the in the Mister Rogers documentary. And it's so cool seeing like the cast of people that like they're just completely chill, like goofy people who are you know cursing and doing all these things that are potentially have nothing to do with the show, but are what are actually like the secret spice to what makes the real show watchable because it comes through in like how how genuine they are and yeah I think yeah why it lives on is because even though it's a puppet like you know that there's like there's a consciousness behind that puppet doing something right now yeah. in the moment and that's just super, yeah. super rad it's like people living vicariously through these characters or these characters are the ones that exist and there's some like under underbelly to their personality that's a slightly different version of who they are of yeah. who you're familiar with you know the the mr rogers documentary talked a lot about that how like like the people closest to him were saying like you know those characters were him obviously like they were him as a child or like the things he was saying he wasn't saying them like mr rogers thinks he can impart a lesson on kids it was him talking as himself through these characters as, as a means because like he, he connected with that child inside of him that had the fears of whatever it was that he was talking about on the, yeah that's a that's a really special way that's a really special way to put a message through yeah i think that's that's why these things are are so indelible you know i think um i've i have a four-year a son who's turning four next week and, and a daughter who just turned two and hmm. now we're in that phase where I mean, there's obviously the the YouTube stuff and all these different things that kids can watch. And we've still like the times we put on Mr. Rogers, there's times where I'm sitting there watching it with them. I'm like, man, this is like, gives me chills. It's like really heartfelt and special. Um, and not that there's not a lot of other great stuff out there, but it's like it's the fact that some of this stuff was made, what, 30, 40 years ago. And it's still stuff that I'm like, I think is important for my kids to hear, you know, uh, an adult talking to them and, about how it doesn't matter how unique or different or whatever they are that they're special and mm -hmm. it's like you know it's it's really cool stuff and it's not just like wholesome for the sake of wholesome it's like somebody really engaging with with kids of all you know um you know ethnicities races disabilities abilities you know it's across the board really uh, progressive yeah 
So. Tr truth is timeless. Yeah, for sure. I'd say so. And I, th I think, I think Mr. Rogers knew that. Like, like yeah, he was talking to the kids, but like the parents lined up too. You know, <laughs> like the parents, yeah. parents wanted to meet him as well because they're like, wow, how are you engaging these children so well? Yeah, he, he just didn't. He was just just the truth he was just saying what he was saying like when you see him talk to when he uh i think it was congress that he spoke before when you see him he spoke to the nation a couple times about different tragedies that happened and like his demeanor didn't change even though it wasn't speaking to children i mean it it did in sort of the vernacular he was using but it was still a general like like the peace was there the calm was there the honesty was there yeah and you yeah. Can't, you can't not unless you're actively trying not to, you can't ignore that. It like, it just goes, Whoa, right there. Yeah. Gets you yeah. right in the moment. Yeah. It's like a, some, it's like another level of charisma or something. Yeah. That's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. So, so uh, uh, you said you're bad at writing. What was that about? <laughs> oh, I, well, I go to film school thinking, Oh, I want to shoot stuff. <laughs> I think, or maybe I, this is a way to get a degree that's somewhat practical from a reputable place that my parents will approve of. And, um, yeah. you know, what am I going to do while I'm here? I'm like, everybody at film school, uh, you know, most of these people are, um, or at least at the time, are, are people who were film geeks in middle school, even, you know, and I'm like a freshman in college and I'm one year removed from watching like Austin Powers and Dumb and Dumber and Tommy Boy on repeat. And that's all I wanted to watch. Um, and uh, classic. And so I'm sitting here. Yeah, the classics. And I'm sitting here and people are talking about French New Wave and Godard and Truffaut. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, but talking about it second nature, kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, like those, um, you know, it's it's kind of like the technique that he uses when he shoots this kind of thing. And, yeah. and I'm sitting here be like, I have never seen any of this. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> um, I know I'm supposed to know this stuff. And so there was a part of that was like, I realized that a lot of these people, I don't know, I guess maybe in a way it made me respect the, the growing up aspect of, you know, getting out into the world and, and becoming independent and deciding what you want to do with your life. And I was like, these people are, if nothing else, they're passionate. They're most of these people have wanted to be directors for years and I'm still sitting here being like, I don't, I'm not totally sure what I'm doing here, but it's a big responsibility because my parents are helping me through college. I better make the most of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, and you, you have to take different classes in all the different disciplines. And I think that's part of the reason you do is because you're trying to find what, the, what, what inspires you and what you're good at. And I, you know, it was like, you could, if, if I really, if I wanted to sell myself shorter than I, than I should, uh, I, I could say that I checked all the boxes off and the only one that I found <laughs> I wasn't terrible at is the one that I'm doing now. But I was like, I didn't enjoy, I mean, I didn't enjoy writing. I didn't yeah. want the pressure of directing. Um, and I think those are so closely related that, you know, yeah, um, it just kind of by default, it stuck with me. And, you know, and the plus of that is that there's so many people that, um, that aren't looking to shoot as their primary thing, then it opened up opportunities for me to keep practicing that. So I, I really love that about the film industry that like everybody's on board with the fact that we're making a piece of whatever, but it seems like after having talked to so many people from so many different positions, like there's just one thing that usually like you get the spark of like, that's, that's what it is that I want to contribute to this whole project. Like I, I fit into the groove of that. And that's, that's so, that's so rad to me to see, 
that there, there's never like even though there are kind of a hierarchy in, in terms of positions like it seems like most people I've talked to that make films they love doing exactly what it is that they're doing and like they dedicate their time to doing that thing and everybody has a sort of mutual respect for that whether it's you know a gaffer or a pd or an art director you know yeah yeah and there's i mean i think definitely there's like the quintessential like student film project where <laughs> everybody's kind of rotating you know it's like i'm i'm going to be directing this one so my buddy's going to be the gaffer and then you're going to be the sound guy and then next week we're going to do his project and we're all going to rotate there's definitely an element to that where everybody's so excited that um even though you kind of have designated who's doing what everybody's still contributing to the you know, like you're making a student film and the guy who's supposed to be the sound mixer is giving, giving notes on what, on the performance, you know, and that just is kind of what happens. And it's a little all over the place, but it is in a way you're learning collaboration, right? You're learning all these different personalities and um, managing that. And, um, and then you get to a point where you do, you're doing it uh, professionally and you have all these people who have kind of become specialists mm -hmm. and, know the you know to need to know the craft inside and out they need to know what the electrics are doing they need to know what the grips are for everybody kind of needs to know enough about each other's business that you can contribute properly in your own position um and it's the more uh, i guess sophisticated version where people are like i know how to do that but i know where i where me giving notes isn't going to be helpful uh so i'm going to do my thing that's informed by that you know it's like a, cl a classic example would be um you know sound working with the uh, grip electric department you know when, when we set something up if there's a boom shadow issue or if they see that we're lighting something a certain way you know all the time i'll see the boom the boom op talking with one of my operators or mm -hmm. uh, or even my gaffer key grip to see hey can you help me out with flagging this so i can get the, the mic over here but if if the sound department didn't have an awareness of what is happening when we're doing a lighting setup then we wouldn't be able to navigate through that um and so, um, you know, that's a, that's always a, a cool thing to see is like when people, you know, sometimes it's not as harmonious, but uh, generally it's really professional. And it's like, oh, it's so cool because you see all these positions collaborating with each other and, um, you know, knowing what each other's processes are. Mm -hmm. How did you start to bridge that gap of not having much knowledge about film to like going to film school? Like, did you just start watching films as much as possible? Did you try to hit the big ones? Like how did um, the, because I've experienced the same thing where like, when you decide what you want to do, you're like, oh, I need to like learn. And there's a lot to do. Like, where do you, where do you begin? Yeah. I mean, the first thing was just, obviously there was a handful of assignments where you just right. have to watch this. And, you know, for some people they were watching it for the fifth time. And for me, it was always the first. Uh, this is so cool. <laughs> like, Guys, did you see this? And like, yeah, yeah, we know. Uh, so there's definitely some of that, but I think the, um, uh, the ongoing, it's an ongoing process, not just, not just learning um, references and uh, vocabulary of like, what have you seen and who's directed what and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but it also is, it, it, it goes the same with doing my job. It's like, there is never a point where um, I think I'll be like, oh, I know how to do this. I know everything of how to do this. And, and so like, for instance, right now, if I'm doing a project, my keys, my, my uh, operators, my gaffer, my key grip, um, you know, if they haven't worked with me before, I make it clear, like, look, I'm going to lean on you because I need to keep learning new stuff. I want to try new diffusions. I want to, hey, here's, here's what I'm looking for. I would do this, or 
if you have a suggestion, like, what could we try? Yeah. Um, and then by doing that, I learn new things. So of course that, that helps and that makes me grow there. And, and, um, kind of back to what you're originally asking is, uh, if, if I'm, uh, meeting and pitching to try to get a job on something, or if I've gotten a job and a director is giving me some references, chances are there's a lot of new stuff I'm going to have to watch just so I can get on the same page and same brain, brain, uh, wavelength as them. Um, because it's such a visual medium, obviously that you, it's tougher to describe than it is to say here, here, it's like this scene or it's like that, or watch this movie. And there's something about the tone of this. And then you try to kind of figure out what that was and, uh, what you're going to latch on to. So, um, you know, that was part of it, but I think through, through it all, the, the thing that didn't really, um, the thing that was the most important and the thing that didn't, um, mesh to me right off the bat was that, um, it's a, that feeling of insecurity, um, that you, you don't know this stuff and you probably should. So you have this, I had this, um, uh, impulse to kind of fake my way through it or, you know, lie my way through it. You know, if somebody talk about somebody, they'd be like, oh yeah, it's like right. so-and-so film. And I'd be like, oh yeah, so great. You know, <laughs> um, but you know, and more often than not, the conversation goes away and, you know, I'm thinking, okay, well, they think I know what they're talking about. So it's, it's all good. And I can, um, you know, and then we can work together or whatever it is. But in the end, I think, uh, the more important part was to be like, it's okay. Like weirdly, like my dad, this is one of the things that like passed down from my grandpa to my dad and my dad to me is it's, there's never a bad question. Always ask questions. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, it's okay to, to know what you don't know and, and to kind of have like this. So in a way I've almost leaned into that and, you know, try to embrace the fact that like that I'm going to be a constant learner. And, um, and I think for, for the most part, everybody is. And if, if people aren't willing to admit that, then they're probably, um, you know, not going to grow. So I, uh, I have such a problem with that, man. Like, I don't know why, but I couldn't say that I hadn't seen something. I would lie. I would just say, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. I've heard that when I'm like, no, I haven't, I have no idea what it is. I don't know what you're talking about. And you just yeah. have to realize that like, like if, when the roles are reversed, I don't care if somebody hasn't seen something. That's exciting. That's like, oh, awesome. You're probably really going to enjoy this thing. Like, and then we can share yeah. feelings about it. But usually like when you have to lie like that, then you can't really talk about it. Cause then you're like, yeah, I've seen it. Good. Yeah, and then the conversation's over. Yeah. You, but yeah, and, it's way better. It's up. Oh, I haven't, but I will soon. And then we can like eat and that's all. Yeah. yeah. Tell me what to look for or, yeah. um, yeah. I mean, the, t the toughest thing is it's one thing when it's one-on-one, -on -one, I think you can, you can get away with it easier or the, or the temptation is easier to kind of just go with it. But yeah. the toughest thing, which happened all the time in film school, I mean, it still happens all the time on set or whatever, uh, is when there's five people talking about something and you're sitting there and they're all like jamming on it. They all know, <laughs> they're all talking about it and you're like just ping-ponging listening. I'm just watching. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, okay, cool. Well, I guess that's something. So I'm like, all right, I guess I'm just going to learn. Yeah. Here I am. <laughs> you, have you had experience where like I, I have this sometimes where people ask me if I've seen something or heard something and like I have technically like it's entered this body but it was like 10 years ago and so like not really like I've seen it but not really and so that makes me feel strange sometimes because I'm like well usually I just say no I'm like <laughs> like yeah but I can't I couldn't tell you about it I don't remember how it made me feel so usually yeah like, nah I'll rewind yeah, well 
and chances are chances are however it made you feel 10 years ago if you yeah. revisited it now it'd be a totally different experience you know yeah uh, but yeah i mean i think that's also one of those things is that uh, when it comes to film for instance you something I watch, like Dumb and Dumber, like, you know, <laughs> had my love affair with it in high school. Uh -huh. But if I watch it now, maybe there'd be certain things that I'd appreciate about it now that I know what I know about the technical side of it or, or what have you, or maybe there's some jokes that I thought I understood why they were funny. And uh -huh. now I would know them in a different way and be like, oh, now that, yeah, that really is funny, you know? So uh, uh, in a way it's like a, it's a medium that you can keep revisiting the same thing and getting more out of it, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. has, has it been a common experience for you that when you're working with a director they give you examples of things to look at does that happen oh for sure yeah yeah cool for sure uh um and i think it's really helpful i just um the show that i did this last um fall what show um it, it's called rutherford falls mm -hmm. um it's a it's going to be on the new peacock uh, platform um peacock and peacock, peacock. Oh. <laughs> yeah uh and uh the um i i'm sure they were they were uh working on hiring the director separately but this is one of those like straight to 10 episodes first season there wasn't like shoot a pilot and then wait to see and um and i knew the uh the showrunner from a she was a writer on a previous show that i had done and i think that's how i think that's how i got the meeting but um i got hired for the job before they had the director, which was a little um, out of the ordinary in my experience. Usually, the even on a you know an episodic thing, the director is involved in that. And um, but you know, as they say, TV is the writer's medium, so uh, it's not like unheard of uh, to get hired um, before the before the director or in tandem with the director. But um, I got hired, and then within a week, it must have been three or four days, I got a voicemail from Larry Schur, who's a huge cinematographer. Um, and I had just seen Joker. Uh, I was late in seeing Joker. So I had just seen Joker like, three weeks prior. And it was, I think the most move, the most recent movie I'd gone to. And, you know, so here I, uh, I have a voicemail from this Oscar nominated DP that I had just watched his movie and been so inspired by. And he's like, yeah, so we're going to be doing this show together. I'm like, what? So <clears throat> I called him back and I was like, this is not, this is not what I signed up for. Um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, he was, he was super, he was, he was great, super gracious and super like, no, you've done, you know, I've, I've seen your stuff. I think that you, you have a diverse body of work and you're, you're really uh, adaptive and uh, I'm excited. And I was like, oh, cool. And he, um, I think anybody that knows, knows Larry would describe him as one of these people who's like, uh, he's, he's an encyclopedia of film. So he is the exact thing that would have scared the shit out of me in, in college <laughs> if he was like, you know, my classmate. Right. Um, but he he uses it in he uses reference in 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 a way as a tool that is so helpful, um, and so and I knew that going into it that it was going to be that way, and so I was just like soaking in everything he, he could he could throw at me. And he has this uh, he started this site called Shot Deck, uh -huh. um, and uh, it's it's basically a you know we've all I think most people in my position build these kind of. Uh, libraries, folders full of images and things that they you put together a pitch or whatever. Type platform where you can talk with other crew members. Am I thinking of the same thing? It's uh, it's a similar idea, but it's not the same thing. It's you you can type in um, you can type in bar scene, and 
oh. images will come up from, you know, if he's got a thousand films broken down into stills in the in the site. It's so cool. And you could you could type in bar scene, or you could type in uh, anamorphic lens. You could type in flare. You could type, you know, wide shot. There's you kind of from across the board, um, and it will pull up, and then you can like you see an image and you click on it, and then it'll bring up that film, and then you can do sub searches and narrow it down or whatever it is. So it's it's great. It's actually perfect for um, for what we do. You know, well, you're, if you're prepping something, you're like, yeah, we're gonna go shoot at a bowling alley. And I know I've seen something cool, some movie that had a cool bowling alley scene, but I can't remember what it was. And you just type in bowling alley and like maybe six movies with bowling alley scenes will show up. So That's it'd be like far out, 40 images or something. And then you can, you can pull them and then you can make uh, you can make your own deck that has that. So then you can go into a project like we did on this, where not only are they just references of things that you like how they're lit or lensed or uh, whatever, but they can actually be, um, you know visualize better because you can also use stuff that's so accurately narrowed down like this is a the type of location we're going to be shooting in and i like the way the practicals look in here so we're going to use that um and so he's built this tool um that uh that we really started using a lot and i'm going to obviously continue using uh it's it's great it's a great tool that's amazing for Uh, thinking about how rapidly like because there's so much stuff that normally would just be left to innovation or guessing like, well, I don't know how to shoot in a bowling alley. So I guess we'll just do it however we do it. But just having that sort of like index seems like it's going to make more creative things because you'll be like, okay, I have this down. I kind of understand the general way that some people have approached an idea like this. And then you can move forward. Like even from that, that seems extremely valuable. Is that used pretty widely? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, uh, he still technically calls it in beta. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's a totally open thing. I think you have to sign up or something, but I think you just sign up and then you have a login username or, or whatever, however it's set, that... set up. And, um, and uh, yeah, but I mean, the, yeah, the only risk really, if you even want to, if I even want to use that word is that you're just, it's so easy to then say, oh, I just want to do it like that shot. But you're, if you're referencing something that you love and what, are the, what is it, what's the phrase? Uh, imitation is the finest form of flattery or. Yeah. And, and so it's like, well, so at worst you're, you're going to strive to recreate something that you think is perfect in essence. Right. And, uh, you're really like, if you really love what you do, which it seems everybody does, like you're going to unconsciously bring your own, thing to it that will make it unique whether or not you're trying to if you're just copying it for the sake of like shortcuts like that doesn't seem to be a common practice for people yeah. genuinely like passionate about filmmaking yeah i mean in, in usually uh, definitely in in uh filmmaking but i think in most art forms people are pulling from reference all the time yeah you know i mean in high school even when i was drawing and painting stuff i was usually um, you know, sometimes I'm looking at an image, like a, a photograph verbatim, and I'm just translating that. And sometimes I'm looking at a photograph and, and then I have another photograph or a magazine clipping. That's like a background I like, and then you're, you're, you know, you're literally transcribing things from multiple places. So it's, it's the same process. It just makes it easier for you to find what you're looking for instead of being frustrated. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it's, a, it's, um, and it only helps things go smoother and, um, uh, uh, 
make a better product when you have that that uh, brain meshing material where you 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 know I can get on the same page as a director or production designer and say here's here's this one thing and we're all looking at it right now so it's an actual you know image of something that we like or a palette and we can say okay that's what it is um, you know when it's people that you haven't worked with before um, or a team that hasn't worked together before it's such a great way um, using reference to um, get on the same page cool so can you think of any uh, films or styles where, like thinking early on in your career that you saw something happen that you were like, whoa, I didn't know that this job could be done this way that kind of helped you find your own sort of style? I'm sure that's uh, constantly, but. Yeah, I, I um, a, a film that I always, uh, you know, now that I, I've got, I've got one film that I can, I can kind of uh, bring it from obscurity and say, I, I semi know some cool uh, stuff is there was a, there was a film that we watched. Uh, it was probably my sophomore year. It was called man with the movie camera. Oh yeah. I've seen uh, it. I'm kidding. And uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, I think it's also probably one of those things that a lot of, a lot of uh, professors show in film school, but huh. it's an old, it's an old film. It's this guy, uh, Giga Vertov. Uh, shot and it an old film school name <laughs> yeah and this is like one of the few that stuck in my in my head you know uh, but uh, it, and it's just basically studies of of motion photography you know it's like at, at that period of time where people were um, you know kind of had their feet on the ground with still photography but motion stuff and like working with shutter speeds and working with uh, frame rates and all that kind of stuff was was newer and so it's like you're you're not just you're not just capturing what's in front of you, but but you're manipulating you're manipulating reality in a way, um, and it's just this kind of mishmash of you know it's like horses galloping and it's all these weird things kind of mashed together that you, it's kind of spellbinding. So you go, wow, there's something about this art form, and there was something about my experience with that that stuck in my memory as a thing that was like, wow, there's there's something really special about this that I know so very little about. Um, so that that for sure, I can't say that that. Um, influenced style or anything, but that definitely um, um, left an impression on me. And I think maybe take it more seriously, maybe um, humbled me probably, which I think is, is three quarters of the battle when you're, you know, <laughs> 19 years old and you've, you've just gotten out of your, your parents' house and you're like, oh, I can do anything. I can be a puppeteer. <laughs> um, so, but outside of that, I, I uh, gosh, it's hard to, it's hard to think of anything off the bat. I mean, I also, also going to school in, uh, I mean, 1999 was, uh, was a, was a big move, big year for, for movies. I mean, was that, uh, uh, Life is Beautiful, I think had just come out recently. Um, hunting around that time or am I missing? What, what movie? Goodwill Hunting? Yeah, I feel like that I think was, that was time. yeah, that might've been a couple of years before that, but it was, um, uh, yeah, there are a number like Gladiator. I think came out around then, two thousand maybe. Goodfellas um, nine, I think. Right? Am I wrong on that again? <laughs> hold on. I think I Goodfellas is like one of my tops. So if I misplace that, then I'm not even a film buff. All right, man. Well, I think we're at about time. This has been a really good chat. Yes. Yeah.